to the Conquistadors. Tonight, a team of four strive to survive against the WWF Survivor Series 1995. Welcome the team of Jordi Allen Milburn, the Anvil Cameron Phillips, Ewan the Axe Taylor, and Phil P.S. Doyle. Tonight, on the Conquistadors. Welcome once again to the Conquistadors. Huzzah! Conquistadors! Conquistadors! I like to say it in that kind that's, of Spanish. That's much better. <laughs> Conquistadors! Conquistadors! You know, I, I, Hola. Just, I might have to clean my screen after there. Conquistadors! <laughs> oh, Jesus. We'll just, we'll carry on going in Spanish then. Um, uh, contestable. Hello. Uh, <laughs> je m'appelle oh. Bill. Oh dear. <laughs> Spanish, yeah? Is that Spanish? Sure. Yeah, cool. cool. Hello, yes, it's the Conquistables. Mili amo. That was Spanish. I did Spanish at school. Hello, Jordi Al. Hello. Mili amo, Alan. Right. <laughs> Hello, Cameron. That's a weird start. Yeah, that's got a bit weird. I'm just shocked that Alan 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 knows Spanish. I've I've known the guy nearly a decade, and this has never occurred. Have you ever asked him? I thought Al's Spanish would be like una cerveza. <laughs> that's Spanish. That's Spanish. How how are we all? The conquistadors. Very good. We be um, I'm good. <laughs> Keep on going. <laughs> Is Al going to do the whole podcast in Spanish? I hope he does. He's got his gimmick. He's got to go with it, hasn't he? You you got to live the gimmick. Pretty much. Jordi Juan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's that's how nicknames are born, isn't it? Just like Pretty that. much. That's yeah, it. It's going to be great. It. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great show. Good yeah. luck, Cameron. It'll be like the opposite of when, um, you remember when Chavo Guerrero had the Kerwin White thing going on? Oh, let's not, let's not bring that up. <laughs> yeah, but Al's just done the reverse. He's like a white guy pretending to be Spanish. <laughs> Or Mexican, That's, whatever. Or Mexican, or whatever he's meant to be. Be- uh, Mexican-y. Mexican-y, <laughs> Jordy. yeah. can There you go. He's a Jordy can <laughs> There you go. Come for, come for the wrestling, stay for the casual racism. Oh, yes. They think casual about it, etc. It's all professional around here. Anyway, moving on. Um, we've got a podcast to do. We've got to talk about wrestling. Wrestling! Yes. Wrestling. Do we want to do, like, uh, this week, like, uh, what any wrestling things we've done this month? I don't think I've done anything kind of properly wrestling, apart from watching the network every now and then. I'm still waiting for the network to come out in the UK, really. I know it's going to be, you know, you can fiddle around with settings and do all this, that, and the next thing to get it over here at the moment, but I'd, I'd rather just wait until it's an official thing, and then I can just get it easier. I did read, uh, I did read some of the... It's coming from apparently SummerSlam, because, well, the performance thus far in America has not been great. It's a bit worried for what I read. Oh, see, because they had that uh, investors report, didn't they? That kind of knocked a load of money off their finances and stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, like three quarters of a well, quarter of a billion dollars gone in one day. Oops. Uh, that's nothing to Vince. That, that, that's pocket change to him, isn't he? He'll be fine. He'll be, be fine. fine. It's, it's always going to be like a difficult project because it's, it's, it's kind of like. Um, it, it's never really been done before. I don't think you know, like the the NBA or the NFL or anything like that have put like every single part of their product up online and no. so the rest of the broadcasters. I think it's typical Vince, you know, bloody mindedness to actually want to just go ahead with it and do it. And I mm-hmm. oh, don't see that. 
Because you, you can apply that same logic to the XFL. And the WBF. Yeah, and look how well they turned out. Yeah, but those weren't wrestling-related. Luger was doing it. <laughs> as we all know. I repeat, yeah, as, we've, as we've covered before, yes. So what are we actually talking about this month on the show? Um, I do have something to add before we move on, sorry. Oh, for God's sake. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've watched the Ring of Honor New Japan shows that happened over the last couple of weeks. Oh, they good? I've heard good things about them. They were absolutely fantastic. They were absolutely Ooh. brilliant. And a, another example of why, if you hate what the main people are producing, there's always good wrestling. You just need to go look for it. Like there was the um, the Chikara Pro one was this weekend, wasn't it? It was their, 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 comeback, their comeback. I was quite interested because they gave like a free ebook. Well, if you like did sign up to their website, so you can get like uh, introductions to a lot of the characters in it and stuff. And I was like, oh. I quite, I quite fancy, like, I think that'll be quite interesting for the boy to watch. I can send you the book if you'd like it. Well, the ebook, I've already got it. Oh, very good. It's free for crying out loud. This is a very good point, yes. I, I jumped on it straight away, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, the highlight of the New Japan shows was watching Kevin Steen and Shinsuke Nakamura try and kill each other. That sounds beautiful. And succeeding for the most part. <laughs> well, they're actually dead, are they? No, they're not dead, but there was there was a spot where Kevin was just slamming Nakamura, doing power bombs onto the side of the ring apron, which is never fun to watch. I think I saw a gif of that. It was like his like his power bombed his head, yeah, onto the, the actual edge of the apron. Like it's pretty trying to break his head off. It's quite amazing. Do you uh, do do we need to uh, acquire those? Uh, yes, I, I think you should legally acquire them via Ustream, or if they do come out on DVD or or on demand, I believe you should um, pick them up. Or well, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I can't guarantee anything. Obviously, I'm I'm, you know, I'm a cheap man of Mario Kart this week, so gotta yeah. get my priorities. Uh, yeah, Phil, you enjoy Mario Kart on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You enjoy it. You enjoy. Yeah, it. I will. I will. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I will because I bought a Wii U. I, you know, when I had the mini for it, I bought it. Oh, uh, here we go. Just saying, just saying. That's all. I I'm bought Watch saying. Dogs yesterday. That was my thing. Well, you were, you, you brought that on yourself. <laughs> okay. That's you've oh, only yourself sh- to blame there. Anyway, we're not talking about video games. It's wrestling. 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 Milton Bradley, Karate Fighters. Presents the 1995 WWF Survivor Series. Welcome everyone to Suburban Washington, D.C. Welcome to the U.S. Air Arena. Welcome to the 1995 WWF Survivor Series. Hello everyone, that's welcome. I'm Vince Grant along with Jim Ross and half on it. Perfect! The one and only Mr. Perfect! I guess that makes this the perfect survivor here. I suppose it does. We have Mr. Perfect. Uh, Mr. President is here. Who else is here? And Mr. Backlund has been campaigning, but the big question is, who will survive right here tonight? As we discussed last week, this week we're doing SummerSlam 1995. No, we're not. All right, boys, you're right. So Survivor Series 95. Because you can remember stuff. Yeah, because we, we, we've all done Survivor Series 95, so if you're about to tell me that it's SummerSlam 95, <laughs> I'm going to really have a panic. Well, no, it is Survivor Series Because 95. I have watched the wrong pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely Survivor Series 95. I messed up like I did with... At least you didn't mess up your names this week. This is true, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have yeah, only really just Owl. Small, small mercies and all that. So just as a bit of a background to this one, this was... 
the culmination of Diesel's year as the champion of the WWF. The previous WrestleMania, he got he got the belt after he beat Backlund in eight seconds. So oh, it was the day after, so the week after the Series ninety four. Yeah, so the week after that, sorry, and he basically had like a year being the king of the hill. Leading up to this Survivor Series 95. Well, I mean, 95 is very much a transitionary period for the WWF. We kind of got the start of the Monday Night Wars. Of kind of happened with, I think, uh, was it Lex Luger? Did his transfer to Nitro. Yeah, Lex dropped and debuted in the opening edition of Nitro, and that kind of yeah. kicked off the whole thing. Yeah, that's like one of the opening salvos. And we've had Goldust uh, debut early on in the same year, as well as Triple H, I think, debuted a couple of pay-per-views before this, so... A lot of the pieces of the theory are kind of falling into place, but they're still not quite there product-wise, as we will get to, no doubt, in the show. Oh, yes. Yes. So um, we'll just crack on with it. We'll crack on with the show, crack on with the card. Let's crack on with the card. Let's go. So it starts a cold opening with the return of Mr. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Perfect! Yeah, he just sort of walks out to the ring with no introduction or anything. It's just sort of, here's Mr. Perfect. And everyone's like, we like this guy. I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, it's Mr. Perfect. And, you know, he's, well, perfect and all that. But it's just a strange opening you know, before we even get to the uh, the promo video for the show, which is a, a decent promo, basically detailing the feud between Bret Hart and Diesel as it's kind of built over the previous months. Uh, some nice music from the uh, from the film Aliens I noticed in there as well. Really? Yeah, the, the music for that bit is from when the, um, uh, the, the, the place explodes in Aliens. Never noticed that. Yeah, totally Still, I never noticed that. It's where they're taking off, where they rescue them, the the Bishop comes back on the show at the end, I think. Is that right? That's completely right, Al. You're yeah. completely correct. Is there any reason for it being the song from Aliens? Is that any... It just sounds, it, just it sounds good. It might be an exact song. It might be a very close rip-off to it. Well, because right. well, I think it was the pretty much the same soundtrack was used in uh, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, and the guy basically, James Horner, recycled the whole soundtrack for Aliens. He watched two films back-to-back. It's an almost identical soundtrack. Right. Okay. Yeah, little That's factoid there for you, folks. Also, little factoid. Little Little bit of aliens made it in the diehard as well, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! But yeah, the, the, <laughs> the promo video really kind of puts over Diesel, and they they kind of put over the fact like he's well, they they say he's the leader of the new generation. The other, the leader of the new generation. Big Daddy Cool Diesel, the only man in World Wrestling Federation history to win all three titles in one year. They were really trying to get um, Diesel across as this fantastic um, sort of world champion and major, sort of not not even rising stars, kind of king of the hill and try to make Bret Hart in a sort of second place again. Yeah. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit later on about what people genuinely thought about Diesel's title reign, because I think it's genuinely considered a bit of a flop. Yeah, I don't think, well, I think, I think I was going to ask the question, is it a flop because of Diesel or a flop because of where wrestling was at that time? 
Ooh, ooh, maybe it might be a little bit of both. But I think there's a line in the in that promo video which kind of sums up to him. He's, he's, he's talking about the WDF title, and he says like, "The title to me, Bret Hart, is dear to me as well." I've got something you want, but it's dear to me too. And it's like, it's dear to me. It doesn't. That doesn't sound like a good promo line. I don't imagine like Macho Man saying the title's dear to me. It means it's going to cost him a lot of money if he loses it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> is this not the first time also that, do you, you know how Kevin Nash has a reputation for just being a money grabber, basically? Yeah. Is there, no, is there, no. No. <laughs> is there not a part in this promo where he kind of says, you know, because the whole thing seems to be built on the fact that Bret Hart needs to basically knock him out quickly. Yeah. Um, because you know, you know, the longer the match goes on, you know, sorry, Diesel's going to try and knock Bret Hart out quickly. But the longer the match wears on, because Diesel's bigger, Diesel's going to get knackered, and Bret Hart can win it on that score because Bret Hart's yeah. got the stamina. But and there's a line by the hour. Yeah, exactly. He does I don't get paid by the hour. I'll, you know, it's like on the first time that you know the Diesel thing. It's all about money. Yeah, he's like, I'm here. I'm here to beat to break stuff, and you know, yeah, he's quite aggressive. But they kind of push it as being like an actual proper fight, don't they? Like it seems like the the build up to a boxing match rather than a rather than a wrestling bout. Oh, yeah, it's a good build. It's a fantastic yeah. build, and it's you, you probably a lot of do, when we started doing this podcast, you kind of look back at how they used to do the old stuff, mm. and you, you kind of miss elements of it. You're like, I, I really, I, I miss elements of building up fights like that for title yeah. matches. There's also no Vince McMahon over the intro. I swear to God, it's like a person doing a really bad Vince McMahon impression at the end. It's not actually Vince just kind of screaming the bouts at you, like in the previous what shows we've done, which I kind of miss that. Yeah, I kind of miss that too, actually. it's yeah. it's, it's it, it, Although he's on commentary in this uh, pay-per-view, it's not the same with him no. not having him run well, through talk, the car at the start. Let's talk about that booth. We've got uh, Vince is in the booth, Mr. Perfect and Jim Ross, which is a strange combination. Because you've got, uh, obviously, you know, Vince is doing the play-by-play and Mr. Perfect's doing the heel kind of role. And Jim Ross is just there, just kind of trying to make jokes. Jim Ross kind of does the serious stuff, though. I know, that's right. He, he's normally the play-by-play guy, but here he's kind of doing colour as well as doing yeah. kind of semi-serious stuff. It's kind of a weird mix of people in there. I've, I've heard a rumour of why he might have been there for the night. Surely because Vince McMahon couldn't be bothered to learn the Japanese women's names. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much yes. why he was there. We'll get to that. We'll I was going to raise that. that exact point. <laughs> but into the, into the first match, we're into the first match of the year. Uh, I think this, I always felt like the Survivor Series before this, there weren't kind of many traditional Survivor Series matches, but this has got them stacked up and down the card. It was the clowns. <laughs> Don't even, we're not, oh, we'll, no. we'll get to that at some no. point. But. No, no. But this... No. Um, we start off the first two teams. We've got on the first team the underdog team, as they're called, because they're all underdogs. Why would why would you call your team that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's a team of uh, Marty Janetti, Sparky Plug, Hakushi, and Barry Horowitz. The Jolly Jobbers. That's what they should have been called. <laughs> <laughs> and they're up. They're up against a team of uh, one of the Body Donners. Is it Skip? For the Body Donners? Skip from the Body Donners, yeah. Uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard from the Heavenly Bodies, the one, two, three kid, and Rad Radford. Who? Rad Radford. <laughs> Rad Who? Radford. Louis, Louis Spicoli, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Louis Spicoli. I believe he was dead within three years from this pay-per-view. 
Um, probably. I don't know that much about him. I have to admit that one. I had to literally check on Wikipedia. I was like, who is this guy? And I think he did some work here, a bit of ECW, and then he died of, dies of a drug overdose. He was a jobber for many years, a proper jobber um, for many years on Raw as well. Yeah, but he looked he looked quite good in the ring, you know. We'll, we'll get into the match, you know, in a minute. But he was, I thought he was actually quite good. Because obviously, because at, at this point, it's heel one two three kid who's sided with the evil Ted DiBiase, which is why we get Razor Ramon coming out at the start of the ring or trying to start a rumble all by himself yep. for some kind of reason. I maybe maybe thought right this opening match, there's no star power. Let's just get Razor just to walk down the ramp, just to kind of get the crowd on their feet because we got nothing in the ring. He does get the biggest pop in that first five minutes. Yeah. He does. <laughs> I mean the the match kind of like you haven't got the best group of people in there. I mean they're all good workers. Oh yeah, it's it, it's a, it's a tricky combination of people. Can I we just do... say it could be worse? Uh, yeah, could have been a lot worse. No, because originally the one to freak it wasn't even in the match. Um, it was John Pierre Lafitte that was on that team. Jeez. Oh dear. Uh, and the rumor again, the rumor is apparently he refused a job to Kevin Nash in uh, Quebec, some or somewhere in Canada. Yeah, and that got him all against the click. Oh, and then uh, yeah. a, a month later, he was gone. What a surprise! <laughs> and, and on the other team of the Jolly Jobbers, you could have had Avatar. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, I would prefer that match because just for sheer sick comedy value. <laughs> well, apparently, Avatar debuted on Raw like the week before, so like, and was so bad they decided to pull him from the Survivor Series. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> No, I remember the name Avatar, but I can't remember what the hell he looked like. Hold it, on. He, he looks similar to Al Snow, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I remember. Yeah. He's kind of like um, like if Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat decided to go out in the town for the night. <laughs> Isn't that your man from... Is that Glacier from WCW? No. Because he was like Sub-Zero as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like proper. He, 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 the the whole like thing for Glacier in um, in WCW was a video game fighting character. That's what yeah. he, that's yeah. what his whole pr- his thing was. But speaking of um, sick jokes and sick comedy, Barry Horowitz's mullet. <laughs> it's a good one. It's fantastic. The the haircuts from the uh, all the pay per views and the episodes we we've seen so far. We should have a league table for pay per views <laughs> and for haircuts. I think <laughs> Barry Horowitz's mullet. Probably comes in second. Almost it's it's behind the pudding ball here at that referee for um, in WrestleMania. Oh God, yeah. it's a great one. And also we've got um, just a quick reference. Sparky plug. Obviously, before Bob Holly hits the proper steroids. I mean, you know, works out to well, bulk yeah, up a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a lot more chicken. <laughs> yes, but he he proper bulks up in like in the intervening kind of three four years, doesn't he? Yeah, go from where he is there. Yeah, to... I think a lot of them do. Um, Triple H being a main example of eating more chicken. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's the chicken. That's exactly what I think. Also, perfect kind of lays down his marker for the night by referring to Sparky Plug saying he's going to put the pedal to the metal. Uh, Holly, whether it's on the racetrack or in the squared circle, he will definitely take a yeah, chance. He's really got the metal to the pedal to the metal, doesn't he? He certainly does. It's like, oh, really? Perfect. You're just going to do that doing puns based around people's names? It is looking that way, yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Um, also, Hakushi. Anybody remember him? Yes. Yeah. Hakushi was brilliant. The crowd loved him in this match. Oh, he was, he was amazing. He's like, um, he, he had like the proper cool entrance with like, he looks like Raiden out of Mortal Kombat, speaking yeah. of Mortal Kombat. Well, the um, tattoos that work really well. Yeah. 
and he's got the whole tattoo thing going on. But it's it, I used to really like Hakushi. I like there's a match he has around about this time with Bret Hart, and I think mm. it's on Bret Hart's DVD box set, and it is brilliant. Well, I genuinely crowd, thought he was a good wrestler. The crowd really popped for him during the match when he comes into the ring. Yeah, like they're, they're genuinely waiting for him, which is quite cool. Although Vince McMahon refers to him as a modern day kamikaze. Wait a minute. Yeah, they're always going to get that Pearl Harbor reference in somewhere. Yeah, I think I think you mean Ninja Vince, not <laughs> Kamikaze. They're a little bit different, but never mind. Yeah, and um, yeah, so they're just, they're just kind of rocking through the match. I mean, it's not a bad match. I mean, um, Pritchard hits a pretty interesting looking moonsault off the top rope he, he does I'd totally forgotten that um, I'd totally forgotten about this match I'd totally forgotten half the people in this match because <laughs> Tom Pritchard basically ran did he not run the development territory for a long long time pretty much yeah. I think um, Steve Austin on his podcast talks about him kind of you know helping him through the business quite a bit he was if not a road agent he was like you know starting to go towards the developmental side of things to kind of train people yeah yeah he was it's a decent enough match. Regarding at the start, though, by the way, I'd totally forgotten also, um, Sonny. <laughs> oh, here we go. Now, speaking as gentlemen, yeah. right, as, as, as gents together, mm-hmm. um, what, I, what was I at this time? 1995, I'd have been 14. Um, was I the only one with a slight thing for Sonny? I can neither confirm or deny that. No? Mm. Okay. <laughs> I, I have still got my Sunny T-shirt. <laughs> really? Uh, yes, she is chalking a pool cue on it. <laughs> well, oh God, um, like, pictures or it doesn't exist. <laughs> I will see what I can do for you, Ewan. So, what about Razor Ramon watching from backstage? Eh, that's that, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, the entire the thing's built around the one, two, three could be in there. It's only built of the eight participants in this match. Only one's really important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although like at this point they reveal that Barry Horowitz is the captain of his team. I'm like what? Yeah, not only is your team called the Underdogs, but you're letting the main jobber <laughs> <laughs> with the best take mullet. the captaincy. This captain wasn't jobber. destined to win, was it? But the crowd, there's a. I swear, there's a Barry chant starts for him. Towards his part of the match, it is. They, they, I've they got no one here saying the Barry chant is amazing. Three man or two advantage right now for the Body Donis. Can you believe Razor Ramon let the one, two, three kid get under his skin like that? It's unbelievable. It almost cost him Intercontinental. Look at that. Almost. Which is, I think, round about where um, Brad Fadford gets uh, pinned mid push up. He does, yes. I can't believe I just said that. Mid push up, he gets pinned. Yep. Brad Radford, mid push up, gets pinned. Yeah, because he's trying all, to impersonate a body donor. Then all I've got there is like, um, I think Perfect makes a really bad joke, and Vince is like the worst fakest laughed ever. Well, when you say anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation, now I know what you mean. <laughs> and then the the mullet gets pinned by a leg drop. I mean, what's all that about? <laughs> yeah, did I put that? Yeah, I did. I put down. Yeah, pinned on a leg drop. It was, I know it's by put the put yeah, the one two three kid over, but. But come on, it's like it's a. Th- I think a, a leg drop from Hogan is different from a leg drop from the one, two, three kid. About hundred and fifty pounds worth of difference there, I think. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> well, there's yeah. that, yeah. So, which means that Janetti uh, stands alone. Janetti stands alone, yes. Against is it three of them? And I can't. Yeah. Think no, just two of them. Just two of them. Just two of them. Just two of them. Just the two of them. He's got skip, skip left, and he's got um, one, two, three kid left. Yeah. 
And I kind of put a note here that there's some seems to be some really bad timing. Like Janetti's timing seems off completely, and then he kind of nails a really good looking top rope power bomb. Oh, that was insane! <laughs> I remember watching that there live, and it was just—I never saw a top rope power bomb before. No, it was like it's a. It's a still, I don't think you see many people doing that move. You know, even today. Like it's probably one of the band moves, I believe. <laughs> Top rope power bomb. Probably sure. going to be on the band list. It's one of those moves you really have to know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can attract yourself to Marty Gennetti, you know. Yeah. God bless him and all <laughs> that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel really sorry for Marty Gennetti because he was always kind of in these kind of matches when he came back, wasn't he? Yeah. If he, if he wasn't wrestling Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title and getting a decent one <laughs> out of that, he was in these kind of matches in which he was dependable, yeah. was entertaining... But you knew he wasn't never going to win. Well, is that down to like they couldn't really trust him because of his, you know, problems with the drink and all that? Well, it's probably that. I think he probably suffered a lot. Is that not the story that Marty Jannetty tells that um, the original plan was apparently for both him and Shawn Michaels to quit on the same day? <laughs> well, Michaels did. Yeah, I'll do that. No, I won't. Yeah, it's just um, they were going to quit on the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then apparently um, Sean said, oh, no, I'll, I'll talk to Vince about it. I'll just tell him that we're both quitting and we're both walking and we're not getting enough respect and that's it. Okay. So then a couple of days later, apparently Vince walks up to Jeanette and kind of goes, well, uh, Sean tells me you're quitting. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean it's like, Michael's what? Dickhead. <laughs> yeah. God, so God Sean basically said, oh, kid. I need to talk to my oh, Mike's for quitting. I'm staying. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think he ever recovered from that. No. God bless him. But I mean, he he holds his own enough through this match. We get a kind of a psycho Sid run in. Yes, we do. And because yep. everybody loves psycho Sid. Well, it's not so much a run in; it's more of a lumber down the aisle. <laughs> really, a meander. But it, it's a good heel finish, though, isn't it? It's a good kind of building up that heel stable of um, DBRC. Uh, one, two, three kids, Sid and all that kind of thing. It, it works as a finish, I think. It works, it works as a finish, as a yeah. It, it introduces Sid for later on as well, I think. Yeah. Then we go backstage to see how annoyed Razor Ramon is smashing the TV up. <laughs> yeah. How angry is he? He's really angry. Did you not see the video before the match when he when he fast-coated them? Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I got that, and that was on the Raw before. But, I mean, I, I'm sitting there watching it kind of going... This is his yeah. best friend, and he's betrayed him, and he, he yeah, like... but he's he's picked up a meaningless win in a in a in a eight man tag. What what? Why would you go mental like that? You'd be a bit annoyed, but you wouldn't go smashing televisions unless you had major anger management issues. <laughs> well, it is got Hall, isn't it? So true. Yes, he, and thought, he, there's, he thought there was alcohol in the telly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh yes. Speaking of uh, Razor, we get uh, a, like a, a promo now with his team later on in the in the. Um... Uh, for later on in the show, and what a team group of people they are! Yokozuna, yep, Dean Dean Douglas, yeah, <laughs> the, the Dean, yeah, <laughs> the, the Dean, Dean of Douglas, the Dean Dean Douglas, which yeah. is, uh, uh, Owen Hart as well. You know that kind of great tag team with Jim Cornette kind of stalking around the background. When when did this concept come into play? Did Gorilla Monsoon come up with this? I couldn't remember. He did. Apparently so. And it was the wild card. What did the wild card concept hope to achieve? Apart from getting a, a, a storyline of, oh, can they trust each other? Can they trust each other? It just seemed really odd. Yeah. Never and like, it wasn't, it didn't seem to be mixed up enough. It was just like three heels and then one one face. You want it to be kind of a bit more jumbled, I would have thought, but you know. 
Never yeah, mind. We'll get we'll get to it a bit later when we talk about the actual match itself. But I had to keep really, really a big, big track of who was on what team when I was watching that match. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to seriously go. Oh yeah, he's been a little. What's again? Is he? Is it? Uh, no. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. And it's made even worse by the fact Jim Cornette's managing both teams. Yeah. So like, <laughs> That's like, really confusing. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're on to the uh, the females uh, match first. Although before that, I don't know if it was on all of the thing because it was, it was on the network copy. But uh, Michael PSAs turns up to sell some t-shirts. Yeah. No, that wasn't on the one we had. Oh, that's probably for the best because it's the most. It is one of the most cringeworthy things you'll see in your life. He just rocks up. It isn't. The... He laughs twice, is it? It's not that one, is it? No. Yeah, that one. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> all right. He's just kind of like blandly looking off screen to go. Am, am I off? Well, am I off? <laughs> oh no. It's 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 one. Of, it's it's a terrible moment. It's horrible for me. Here's like you know one of the Freebirds, one of the most you know important tag team members you know possibly ever. And he's like shilling t-shirts in the ring as like some people go down to the uh, down to the match. It's uh, it's not good, not good. No, how how he, how low he has reduced himself. Yeah, mind you, if you'd have told him that a few years later he'd have been having his ponytail hacked off on a flight back from London <laughs> <laughs> by by a man who on this evening is sporting the same perm that Brian May has. <laughs> oh man! Then yeah, camera's mm. laying the boot in. Right, so we're through to the uh, the women's match now. So bear with me one second. I will try to pronounce all these names. We haven't got Jim Ross. We need him. <laughs> Jim Ross. We have got the team of Bertha Fay, Arja Kong, Tomoko Watanabe, and Lioness Asuka. Yep. Brackets with Harvey Whippleman. Versus yep. Lundra Blaze, Kiyoko Nui, Sakai Hasegawa, and Chaparita Asari. Well done. Oh, look at that. Who else was surprised at the fact that Alundra Blaze got her name in fireworks as she walked down to the ring? Me, kind of. Because we haven't got a Titantron, we've just got fireworks. And they seem to spend the entire budget on Alundra Blaze's name. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit... It's one of those things you have to remember, that you're a few years before the Titantron came in as a yeah. big thing. And so yeah, this was like an impressive entrance back in 1995. <laughs> yeah. But then she comes out and she holds the belt up in the most stupid-looking way possible. She's like holding it like a like a purse. <laughs> this stupid little oh, pink yeah. belt. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, I've got a belt. Uh. Well, it doesn't really matter because she's not defending it at all in this match, is she? No, so not at all. But does anybody know where this match came from? Because you know, I might, this might just be me, but it sticks out on the card a little bit. Yeah, but was there not that period of time where they genuinely had no challengers for a Lundra Blaze at I can, all? Bertha Fay. This question. Of course, Go you on can. Um, it, I think I believe the whole point of the match was to get over the. I don't know. I, I won't spoil it in case we build this way. But the whole thing was to get over the lady at the end, um, so they could have a match at the Rumble. That was, I think, that was the entire point of it. I mean, that kind of makes sense. But like, where does everybody else come from? Yeah, uh, they just flew them in. They've never wrestled before or again, as far as I know. They literally just flew them in because they didn't have enough women to make eight on it. Or, <laughs> So the flu in for Japan just to make up the numbers. Decided to phone a find a whole bunch of Joshi um, wrestling talent that probably wasn't cheap, just for a throwing match second on a card. Uh, yeah, it seems weird that like, if you're going to use them to build up to me, fair enough. But they're just kind of brought in. Jim Ross is there because he knows their names and their moves, which is quite handy. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, but it's quite a, a weird little match because I mean the, the crowd seemed quite quiet, and then I think it's um. Uh, Lioness Asuka kills somebody with a spinning heel kick. Yes. 
literally kill somebody in the ring. And the crowd kind of go, oh, hello. Yeah, they are a bit rough, like. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're very much working the strong style that is, you know, favoured in Japan. Yeah, indeed. But it's like um, somebody tags in, they do like a big spot, and then they get pinned. And then you kind of like, you rattle through most of the teams in that way. They seem to kind of come in to do like one big spot. I mean, um, somebody does the, um, is it the Sky Twister Press that Jim, Jim Ross knows the name of straight away? Sorry. It's, it's the one who's dressed like a rainbow. Uh, I don't yeah. know what her name was. Yeah. Just like a Power Ranger. <laughs> I've got here, Asuka pretty much fights straight out of a massive aerial move, which is probably what you're talking about, before yeah. being pinned by a German suplex. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. I just thought sense. I was like, what? <laughs> and then, yeah, you mentioned they're throwing out some brutal-looking suplexes, though. Yes. There was, a, there was a released German early in the match. I think it was Linus that threw it. It's kind of like, what are you doing? You're a minute into the match. <laughs> You're going to kill somebody. Also, I've written down as well that we see a glimpse of the Spanish announcers as well. Oh, we do. Uh, I'm just going down I wish I could speak Spanish. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Who the hell are these people? I needed Al with me. I needed Juan. <laughs> Jordi Juan. <laughs> but then, like, it gets down to... Um, um, I think it's three on one versus Alundra Blades. Yeah, but there's like this, 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 these weird spots. That I think I think the ref keeps doing these miscounts. Like somebody gets pinned because he counts to three when he shouldn't have done. Off the pile drivers, a pile driver not going round. <laughs> and then, like I say, Bertha Faye gets pinned with like a really bad looking suplex because she's yeah. ginormously fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's no, 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 no. She is impressively built. Sorry, yeah, but, yeah, she's... Well, it was very difficult to hit a German suplex on her, I'll tell you that much. Well, yeah. And to do a bridge as well. Yeah, yeah. Comes... Sort of, it was a very sort of collapsed-looking bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> a bridge over troubled water, you might say. Oh. So it comes down to, as Al alluded to, the person they're trying to put over in the show, Arja Kong, and she nails an underblade for the spinning fist hit right in the mush. Yeah. Again, quite, it's quite you know, a stiff, brutal-looking hit. And she gets the pin, she wins with some rubbish music. It's, it's, it's the Orient Express's music. <laughs> is that who it is? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was... <laughs> so that was a match. Have you that noticed, was. though, during the commentary on this, once again, getting back to Mr. Perfect, he basically veers completely into sexism at this point in, <laughs> yes, in, in the pay-per-view. Because I've written down here, sexist Mr. Perfect... They should be all at home cooking and cleaning, is apparently what he says, or something like that at one stage. Oh and then whenever we can tell, you get to the point where it, it, Vince obviously wants to tell him, shut the hell up, that's a bit over the line. Uh-huh. Because Vince's line, in order to put this across live on air, is to say, I don't think so. And I believe uh, they're, they're very impressed with your presence, Mr. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. They're saying, you can have the one in the white, I'll take the one in the red. <laughs> I don't think so, no. I think you could probably take away the bet from bet sexist. <laughs> yeah, it's completely sexist, yeah. <laughs> he keeps saying, like, um, oh, I bet their old man's not back late from the bar, eh? Hey, Vince, eh? Big Bertha. Pride and joy of Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, one of the butt sisters. <laughs> I don't think so. That's it. It's a weird match. It is a bit weird to have, and it's just like you said. There's no real sort of WWF build, build. for it. It's all just outside in from Japan, imported yeah. in. It's trying to build a feud between the London Blaze and Arsha Kong, but it's just kind of like it doesn't really get a feud. It's just like 
have a bit of a match and one of them loses. There's no kind of like bite to it, but you know. And then oh, we we need an owl bit for this, by the way. We need an Alan bit for this. Uh, well, okay. I've got yeah, I've written down here. Well, at one point in the commentary, Perfect maintains that this is the first women's match in Survivor Series history. Oh, well, that's <laughs> the fact I was going to give, but uh, yeah, Survivor Series '87 had the women. And that's if, what Jim Ross counters with. Yes. In, incidentally, again, they hired a few women just for that match. Really? Yeah, I think it was, <laughs> wasn't as many because he had a bigger roster. But I think two, certainly two, they hired in. Uh, just for that match, so yeah. Hmm. But um, another interesting fact: uh, Arja Kong pinned every member of the opposing team, and that's the only time that's happened. Oh, ah. really? Yep. Good Survivor Series fact there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So then after that, we're we're into the next match. Oh no, we're not. We're into no, the presidential. No, 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 <laughs> no. We're into... No, this isn't what. I... It's not going where I think it's going, is it? It's going to... ideally where yeah. you think it's going out. I hated Todd it. Pettingill. I hated it when it was live, and I still hate it to this day. <laughs> I can't believe it. Sitting with Mr. President, I know you're a big fan of the World Wrestling Federation, sir. It must be. Uh, it must feel good for you to be here tonight. Yes, it is, Todd. It's very, very exciting. I'm enjoying this beyond your belief. Now, let me ask you, sir. You hear the music? I know you're big, Bam Bam Bigelow. How do you feel about him? Well, I've been watching Bam Bam since he was a little boy growing up playing with pebbles, you know. I mean, really? Todd Pettengill with a Bill Clinton impersonator? Oh, and now you've told me it's an impersonator. That's even ruined it even more for me. <laughs> Did you have to? <laughs> There's no way you thought that was real. <laughs> Look, you, you stop spoiling the joke, Cameron. Just go with it's it. It's shocking. <laughs> but I think the worst thing is that as they're kind of doing their bit, like Bam Bam comes to the Bam Bam Bigelow comes to the ring, doesn't even get an intro because they focus on Todd Bettingill and the, sure. and the fakey, fakey, fake Clinton. And it's just unbelievable. It's the stuff like this I really hate when they bang on about how, oh, welcome to this pay per view Survivor Series, whatever. Uh, we're being screened in 95 countries worldwide and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then they do this, which is obviously. Vince's little Republican fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> In a and it's like, world. Yeah, it's like, this only appeals to one guy, really. And it's and Vince. Probably in one country. And yeah, that one guy is the owner of this company. Yeah. It's like, this is five minutes. And it, to make matters worse, he comes back later on. And will yeah. they get a good joke out of it when Bam Bam's fireworks go off and the Secret Service guys run in? That, that's yeah, a good joke, isn't it? Yeah. That's good. Seeing it's good is maybe pushing it a wee bit. Mm-hmm. So we finally get to the um, the Bam Bam Goldust match. Although I noticed Goldust intro so long, his music plays twice. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit um, goes on a while. Yeah. Goes on a while. Was this Bam Bam's last match before he left? Yes. There you oh, go. There's, keep... there's the voice of, of knowledge there. <laughs> yes. All Oracle. So he, he put he over um, he Goldust on the way out, didn't he? for the Royal Rumble, but he wasn't in it. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, do we know why Bam Bam left? Um, well, it's um, probably due to uh, the, the old buddies backstage by the sounds of things. Didn't win King of the Ring, did he? That's his problem. <laughs> true, true. But he, he, put, he puts over Goldust quite well in this match. They, they really kind of put over Goldust as like, uh, quite a tough character in this match. Because he's kind of throwing Bam Bam around and he's dominating him quite well, which isn't difficult. It's hard to do considering his size. It is hard to do, but the offensive moves in this match are pretty much boiling down to Bam Bam's got his head butt and Goldust has got a punch and an uppercut. Don't forget the bulldog at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Nobody told Goldust it wasn't a Survivor Series elimination match. That's a sort of lame finish you get during the match. Not the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, I think he debuted, was it at the SummerSlam that year? Uh, no, it was uh, in your house. The in your house. He um, beat Marty Jannetty. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Oh, Jeanette, Jeanette, Jeanette. At that point, nobody, well, I certainly didn't know when I watched it, that Goldust was wearing the wig. I mean, maybe people in the know did, but I didn't. So he came to the ring, took his robe off, still had the wig on, and everybody you know, expecting to wrestle, and they just whipped the wig off sort of thing. So <laughs> I remember that debut. It was good. Uh, he, was, uh, he was an interesting character, Goldust. Obviously, they talk about him kind of being that initial character that did those kind of slightly more risque plot lines like the Attitude Era would, you know, be full yeah. of. yeah. I think the the the, the, the assumption I think was that Goldust was gay, wasn't it? You you think either gay yeah. or extremely fabulous? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, did you know also that? Um, how should we put this? Goldust Golden Globes were on show. Yes. <laughs> I think is the is the polite way of putting it. I I'll try to picture that for the Tumblr. I think his Golden Globes and his Oscar were definitely on show. <laughs> He was very excited to be there. I was I was uncomfortable. <laughs> How do you think Bam Bam felt? <laughs> well, see, this is where the brain scan would have been required. Oh man! <laughs> oh god! But, I mean, Football it's, done. It's a um, decent match. It's a decent match, and they kind of work their way through it, and off they go. Sure. And we're back to the box because if you've got a skit with Bill Clinton, what more do you need in there? Uh, you need Bob Backlund. Oh god! Wow. No, no, getting his lines no. wrong. And for another thing, your question is irrelevant. What I want to find out and what I'm out here to do is ask you what the heck you're doing here. Do you consider yourself one of the 8,000 um, irrelevant employees of the federal government, sir? The, the thing is, Bob Backlund at that stage was giver, given a gimmick of a gibbering old man. Yeah, who just who just preferred the good old days, and yeah. you know when you look back and you think he was probably given that because he was a gibbering old man. Yeah, and <laughs> who's not better than the good image. old days? That they, they just basically went, oh, let's give Bob that. We'll give him a year's contract and just make him ramble on at people. Yeah. That'll be fine. Aye, there you go. Stick him on sure. television. Aye, yeah, Bob just rambles on at people. <laughs> Get a camera. But Jesus, that that is as much satire as I can take in one wrestling show. I mean, that is it. Please, God, let it be enough. We'll see if that is enough later on in the show. I doubt it, but we'll see. Is, is that well, a bit be... of Sonny sitting on his knee, or is that later on? That's the next bit, that's and that's the, the only bit that's bit. forgivable, because Sonny was there. <laughs> <laughs> but the next one, we're into one of the big feuds of that yes. time, which is The Undertaker and King Mabel. Oh. Uh, <laughs> can I give a Survivor Series fact again? Go, Go for on, it. Al. Well, apparently, I remember as a kid, I might be wrong, but as a kid, this was advertised as one-on-one originally. And then the most right. uh, Survivor Series. So we'll just dig up any shit we've got left over <laughs> to the team for The Undertaker. Yeah, because... Okay, let's, let's, let's go through the teams, right? Sure. So you've got King, you've got King Mabel, <clears throat> team with Joe the King Lauder, mm-hmm. fair enough. Isaac Yankum, his uh, real dentist, fair enough. And Hunter Hearst Elmsley. I mean, that makes sense as a team. Sure. Yeah, because they're all royal or royally linked somehow. Yeah, Dude. that makes sense. Well, the Undertaker, on the Undertaker's team, you've got the Undertaker, <laughs> Savio Vega, question mark, Fatu, and Henry Godwin. Hmm. Yeah. How? How? how like, when I think of the Undertaker, you know, and I think of people teaming the Undertaker, 
I don't think of a pig farmer. I don't think of those names. No, unless they've got some really kinky dark side we don't know about. Well, they all have Undertaker t-shirts. That's clear from the uh, from the podcast, from the show. <laughs> you know, they're all wearing their Undertaker t-shirts when they come out there. And it's just like that—that's the that's the best team you could get with the Undertaker. That's it. It is obviously, and it's the it's the way they're called the dark side as well. It's like, yeah. when, at, at what point do you have a demonic pig farmer? Pullard <laughs> oh, as well, isn't the dark side a bad name for them? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> close to the bone. Just been, been politically correct. That's all. It's quite annoying because obviously, though, Jerry Lawler on the other team comes out with kind of great promo to start the match. Let me just say a word or two to you. So yeah, you know, you've got the makings of like a, a good match with like you know a good team there. It's just like the other side is like such a complete letdown. <laughs> What's it? Although more baffling to me, why do none of them get eliminated? I mean, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why not have Undertaker at the end on his own? Wouldn't that have looked better? That would have made well more sense. Oh, nothing yeah. about this. Nothing about this match makes sense. I mean, oh. did, did those guys carrying in Mabel? Do they do that every week? Uh, uh, for the sake of their chiropractor, I would hope not. Well, they carry them everywhere. After the event's finished, they carry them back with hotel <laughs> and then uh, carry them out <laughs> the airport in the morning. They're just inspired, yeah. And I, I think it's about now, like one of my favourite lines from Vince comes out. He talks about the um, um, when Mabel injured in Taker's face and he describes it as an, un- an unfortunate face crushing. Specifically, of course, The Undertaker. And since that unfortunate... Uh, I guess you'd call it face crushing of the Undertaker. Everyone has wondered, what's he going to look like? Because <laughs> <laughs> you do get those fortunate ones, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> exactly. And I noticed like the Darksiders are doing a bit too much dancing for my taste. You know, For a team called the Darksiders, you thought they'd have said, guys, just don't dance. Don't, don't dance, room. don't threaten to slop people. Uh, don't have cuddly pigs. Just, in fact, just don't turn up for the match. That's the best thing you can do. And then, like the gong hits, and the Undertaker comes out. I mean, that that's good though, isn't it? I mean, the Undertaker entrance is always special. Yeah. Oh, they pop like crazy for those bells, like, yeah. and as they always do. Um, yeah. And I think the the big mystery about his entrance was, what's the face going to be like? Mm. And I, I think Undertaker's over the years has been really, really lucky in the fact that his gimmick could easily kind of bend round these problems. Yes. Like if he was injured for a while, he could disappear and, you know, oh, he's disappeared like a ghost. Oh, he's vanished. Like Rumble 94, you know, he, to a set, as corny though it was, his character <laughs> yeah. kind of survived that. Okay. Um, the fact there, I think this, this is good timing, is, do you, do you know who was, who was the guy who sent it to the rafters? Go then. Marty Giannetti! Hey! Giannetti! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But what I, like, what I kind of made me laugh at this bit is that the, 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 the commentary booth seemed completely unable to recognise what a mask is. The Undertaker with some sort of, I believe, protective gear, maybe, I'm not certain. The Undertaker with some sort of a... Is that some sort of adhesion on his face? What is that thing? What's that camera? What? I don't know, but some sort of form-fitting... The face, face of death is what it is. 
What's that on his face? There's an adhesion to his face. Like, no, it's a mask, bitch. He's it's wearing a mask. A protective mask. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that on his face? Well, it's a mask. It seems to have been made to look like a kind of skull thing. It's, it's better than, you know, we talked about um, uh, oh, the Virgil's mask when he was in WrestleMania 8. Yeah, which was like a medical number. Yeah, this, this is a proper mask. This has been like, you know, moulded out of rubber and stuff. Continuing the Mortal Kombat theme, Shao Kahn. <laughs> true. That, that mask on yeah. No Mercy, the mask made. Yeah? Yeah, you can buy it from the No Mercy shop on the N64. Nice. There you go. I've also noted down at this point, I believe it might be one of the first ones, but Jim Ross says, business just picked up. Oh, here's that. Here it comes. Up. It might be one of his first ones. Can't guarantee that, but was that when Henry Godwin got in the ring? <laughs> yes. <laughs> where where you have the cerebral assassin taken down by a pig farmer? Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and like the, the only other thing I've kind of written down is like um we um we talked about um when Rikishi turned up in the last uh, was it in, not King of the Ring? When did he turn up? When the last one we talked about when Rikishi turned up? We were like. Oh, I, I, um, we turned up as uh, the head shrinkers, didn't he? He's in the head shrinkers. Yeah. And like, you see him in this match again. I kind of wonder why did he bulk up so much? Was it literally just to replace Yokozuna as the really big guy on the, on the roster? Because when he's kind of like this size in this match, he's quite good. Could, really um, I don't think they would have sat in front of him though when Yokozuna, uh, you know, took time out and had to leave. I don't think they would have sat in front of him and went, well, um, here's a, here's a big roll of right. Rice, just eat this. <laughs> we, need, we, we need a big guy quickly. Yeah. Hey, he's called Fatu. And you also see as well, obviously, obviously Isaac Yankum is uh, the future Kane. Yes. And you, can, you can kind of see, like, even though it's a terrible gimmick, he's, you, know, you can see like he's a really good worker. You can kind of see his quality in the match when he yeah. kind of gets in there. Glenn Jacobs, I think, is the ideal example of even rubbish gimmicks, a succession of them, cannot keep a decent wrestler down. Correct. If you at your heart are a good performer and you put the hours in and you work a crowd, you will eventually get there. Yeah. Let's not forget, he was um, the Christmas monster in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. (laughs) He was Isaac Yankum DDS. He was also the fake... Was he the fake Diesel? When yeah, yeah, Kevin Nash so. left, um, yeah. but, listen, the, the the chances were not kind to Glenn he Jacobs. Got, he got before put through the rigor, 1997 came round. He got absolutely put through the rigor with his gimmicks. He so did. But even so. when he was Kane, they still lumbered with all the crap with Katie Vick and whatever else. <laughs> oh, let's not bring that up. <laughs> I also yeah. written about this point. I, I believe Mr. Perfect refers to um, Hunter as Triple H. Come on, Triple H, take out! Come on, Triple H! I was like, what? That's too soon. But then my favourite bit of the match, they finally, after what seems like half an hour, tagging the Undertaker, and everybody refuses the tag. Everyone clears the ring. Mabel won't tag where he was in the ring. I think it's Jerry Lawler's the first guy. Yeah, there's a, I was, I've written that down. There's a brilliant bit where Jerry Lawler just basically walks over his corner and all three of them don't want to tag him. He just jumps Except straight down. Mabel's too fat to jump down off the apron, so he just <laughs> turns his back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's a great spot. Then you basically just got the Undertaker just wiping out the entire rest of the um, rest of that team, including his brother as well. You know, he takes him out quite quickly. Yeah, surprisingly enough. 
And then, uh, yeah, if you, we finally get to the glamour match of Mabel versus The Undertaker. And Mabel, uh, the king of the ring, uh, runs like a little chicken girly girl. Well, he, he pins Triple H quite impressively with a choke slam from the outside. That's great. That's quite good. Right over the top rope, bang, down he goes. And then we get like a bit of slot bucket action with Godwin and stuff. Well, that's what I would pay me money for. <laughs> but do you think that, do you think at this point they they, they kind of realise that making uh, Mabel King of the Ring, they might have made the wrong choice? <laughs> Everyone Cause... except Vince. <laughs> Probably. Cause... Because it really kind of like, this doesn't really put Mabel over that well, running away from the Undertaker like a big chicken. Oh, he's got a casket match to look forward to at the next <laughs> pay-per-view. Oh, that's true, that's true. But they still can't recognise the mask. They, they, even though you kind of get a good shot of his face, they're still like, no, what is they're they're going, What is it? What is it? Oh, it's a thing. Oh, my God. It's... Did, 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 did they were trying to put across that Vince actually thought it was like Undertaker's actual skull had just swollen so. through his skin <laughs> or something? Burst through his face. And then like... I think this kind of exemplifies like how much like the Undertaker just will not break kayfabe because you get the other team they're all high fiving they're jumping around and he's just stood there just being the Undertaker, which is why he was so brilliant. Yeah, he, he just <laughs> he does never not broke break. That. Doesn't break it at all, does he? No, digging it down with fat. Ooh, imagine that spot. Hearing <laughs> oh, <God>. me. <laughs> I mean, so that's just like that. It's just basically an easy match to get taken back in and put him back over again, isn't it? That's all this match is, really. Pretty much, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I've written down here as well. You truly don't look at Triple H in this match and think, yeah, future world champion right there. <laughs> well, he's he stuck with that gimmick. He's stuck in a feud with Henry Godwin. Yeah, you but you, exactly. You don't look at him and think, yep, there you go. That'll be it. But once again, I suppose he had the talent, didn't he? So Yeah, again, he, he could survive those gimmicks and kind of ride his way to the top. Yeah, to, pretty you know, much. Fair means he had and foul. Good friends to get him there as well. Yeah. Mm, yeah, true. I think he was. Was he not carrying cases for Shawn Michaels at this point in life? Yeah, I think he's doing everything for him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. So we uh, we're out of that match into a Bret Hart promo that we all love. Yeah, is this the woman who mentions Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's exactly what I've written down there. Yeah, that's <laughs> like what? <laughs> Nash gives a promo, bit daft, but you know, never mind. Yeah. A bit more um, uh, of the face wildcard team with Ahmad Johnson walks in, just flexing his pecs for no reason at all. Like he's just there, just kind of flexing with Shawn Michaels, just flexing his pecs like a big yeah. man. Because that's pretty much all Ahmed Johnson really was. That's what he did. That's just a real did. big muscle guy. guy. That's, that's pretty, pretty much it. it. So he's obviously uh, part of uh, Shawn Michaels' team. We've got Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, the British Bulldog, and Sid Justice. This is heel Bulldog, Bulldog isn't, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Cornet Bulldog. Yeah. Uh, going up against Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Reza Ramon, and the Dean Dean Douglas. Is it the Dean Dean Douglas or just the Dean Douglas? No, it's the Dean Dean Douglas, isn't it? Makes no sense. I think. It's a good job his parents thought of that name. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We'd have called name them something like Shane. That would just be stupid, wouldn't it? That would would (laughs) be stupid, stupid, yeah. yeah. I was trying to find find the um, promo he did in ECW. Um, before he left for WWF. Because I seem to remember something about how he basically got on the microphone at an ECW show, said that he was sick of ECW where he was going somewhere he could wrestle, and then walked out. And, and then, then he, he turns, turns up in the WWF with the most ridiculously stupid teacher gimmick. <laughs> it's not, I mean, it, you know, for fans of the genius, it's not bad. But it's kind of going nowhere, isn't it? It's but, but, you can't deny, like... He's a great talker on the mic. He saw that in the video promo. Like he's a great talker and everything, but he's just kind of not served well by this gimmick. Not at all. No, not at all. Yeah. 
So um, they're all coming down to the ring. Yokozuna, I think, is that probably one of his biggest sizes. He looks really massive in this match. He does look like some kind of mountain. But he was start, he'd, he'd kind of lost the monster aura by this point in life, hadn't he? Yeah. Well, he this is now him. He's in the tag team with Owen Hart, isn't he? He's kind of lost. The, he's out of the main event picture. He's kind of just... Yeah, because I say the last um, the, the the last show we did for King of the Ring '93, he was an ultimate, ultimate big heel monster at that yeah. time. And now, what's this like? Two years later, he's just yeah. kind of mid card now. Well, they talk about um, Ahmed Johnson um, slamming Yokozuna. It's like how quickly they forget Lex Luger. You know, do you not remember? Do you not remember the Lex Express? Yeah, totally. Yeah, was that only done to basically override Lex Luger completely? I assume so. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and there's also another, like another borderline racist comment from Perfect. Gets another fake Vince laugh. Oh, does it? And does then, it get? A, I don't think so. And he just kind of goes, ah, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. Kind of moves on. <laughs> but the, this, obviously, again, you know, we had the return of the Dentic. Really, this is kind of like um, Shawn Michaels coming in, and this is the big start of his face push, isn't it? This is the kind of build to WrestleMania 12, where he kind of becomes the big top name of the company because, you know, he's got rid of the mullet. He's got his proper hair, proper long hair. Yes. So, you know, he's all kind of, you know, this is them starting to kind of put like a big push by him. They talk about him being beaten up by the club and how tough he is. They're kind of really kind of talking over the mic, aren't they? That story, by the way, have you heard that story about the, uh, the club when he, Michaels gets, um, got beat up? I think so. Um, I think it was Jim Cornette actually funnily enough uh, I watched a video a couple of days ago with him describing the story and apparently part of the problem was he was in a bar with Sean Waltman ex-Park mm-hmm. and uh, or 123 Kid in this yeah. case um, and the British Bulldog and the story goes that Sean says it was nine Marines um, everyone else who was kind of around an eyewitnesses say it was like four um, but Sean basically got had, was trying to get in this little car that they'd hired, which yeah. had the fold, which had the fold-in seats. <laughs> and apparently, um, Sean kind of badmouthed these Marines. They hauled him out of the car and started beating him up. Sean Waltman didn't want to get out of the car because he knew he would get beat up. And British Bulldog was trying to get out to help him, but because it was one of them cars with like the two doors and the fold-down seats, he couldn't actually get out. The <laughs> Bulldog just stuck <laughs> trying to get out of the back seat. I can picture that with his big muscles not being able to move. Yeah, pretty much that was it. And apparently that's what Jim Cornette said. Yeah. That was that was what actually happened, and uh, it, it, it was hilarious. And Bulldog would have gone to save Shawn Michaels and even the odds slightly more, but he couldn't get out the back of the car. Oh, bless. <laughs> anyway, well, carrying on. Um, I think this is one of my favourite matches on the on the on the card because there's some great kind of little moments. There's some great kind of heel tag team work from the bad guys team, including including Razor. You know, he's part. You know, he kind of plays up his heelish kind of sides every now and then. And there's kind of good work on that side. Just kind of get some heat on the on on the faces. It's you know, it's not, it's not a badly worked match. It's okay. It's it's re- it's always going to be really difficult because obviously there's no defined heel team and there's no defined face team. Yeah. So it is all about. It's a team match based on individual personalities. Yeah. So it's always kind of hard to put that across. So yeah, yeah. a lot of the, they do try. You're right. Razor does kind of like amp up his heel bit for a little, a little bit. So not a bit where he kind of chokes Michaels in the corner. Yeah, they kind of do that kind of work, don't they? Yeah. One of my favourite bits was when um, uh, Michaels and Razor kind of get into the ring. Razor kind of points up and says, we can't fight, there's no belt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which references the ladder matches. Yeah, I thought that was a great little touch, that, because he's just kind of like, you can kind of see, like, that's the kind of clique in the ring. I think the clique actually eliminates Doug Dean Douglas at one point as well. 
Yeah, out of the Federation as well. <laughs> Gone yeah, pretty completely. much. Another one, another one that they didn't like, so went. Yeah. So out we went, yep. Have you seen um, on the back of Dean Douglas's uh, wrestling tunic, by the way, the uh, the explanation, explanation mark? I, don't, I, think, I think I completely kind of blind that from my mind. It's just Why? this massive exclamation mark on his back. Like he's the Riddler, but not quite. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> excited. <laughs> What it reminded me of uh, was, um, it's just like, it looks like the explanation might be getting Metal Gear Solid. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he come down to the ring in a cardboard box? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been perfect. This is just this box shuffling to ringside. Yeah. <laughs> then it just jumps out to place the sound effect perfect. Finn's just on commentary going, wow, I don't know how we got in the ring. We didn't see it. <laughs> we didn't see it. Just... Although I've got rid of that as well. Sid, this is one-handed chokeslam. Still looks good. Yes. It's a good-looking chokeslam. And that then, um, not bad. Uh, Sid gets pinned in a really weird spot with the Bulldog. Like, I think it's, again, like, the timing seems off through quite a few of the matches. And there's, like, a kind of weird leg drop, and he gets pinned, and then we're just kind of like, is he out? Oh, yeah, he is then. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of... Was that a mistake? Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, just, I've, got it, I've got it written down here. Razor takes a Sid chokeslam, holds Razor for Michaels, obvious happens, and he gets switching music. Bulldog manages to leg drop Sid, Sid eliminated by Razor. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. It does look a little bit awkward, yeah, yeah. As, a, as an ending. Yeah. Uh, Sid comes down and distracts one, two, three kid because that feud's got to carry on, as, all, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to carry over like this, and the, that leaves like the heel team left as being Yokozuna, which seems a odd choice to leave as the kind of guy you're expecting to kind of carry the rest of the match. Is all not that's still there at this point? Um, no, I oh, think he's eliminated. Because Ahmed Johnson pins him with a pillar of a plunge. I remember that. Yeah, and then Razor Ramon gets done with a power slam, doesn't he? I think Bulldog yeah. finishes him off, and then Sid power bombs Michaels before he leaves, just because. And that leads up to the whole Michaels collapse angle. I was going to say, is this not... They, they do mention that he's fighting Owen on the next night on Raw. Is that the one where he collapsed? Yeah, he collapses, yeah. Which is pretty convincing for the time. Mm. Wasn't bad. I know a lot of people who um, actually thought that was real. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, our friend Cameron Lisa, when she read that happened, actually didn't watch anything till somebody sent the tape just so she could witness it herself and cry. <laughs> oh, bless. Oh. Yeah. It was her I was thinking, actually, when I said I know people that have watched that. And yeah. it. <laughs> so I think the match ends with Ahmed Johnson being put over as the winner. Yep, and the only time he's probably ever put over, ever. Oh, bless him. Because he was a strange person to kind of be put over, because he was kind of essentially personality-less. <laughs> Pretty much. He had, he had, did he not have a lot of heat backstage? A lot of people said he was really difficult to work with, and he just kept... He was very clumsy, he very clumsy apparently. Yeah, you can kind of see why. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look to be the smoothest work in the ring, does it? No, not really. <laughs> but anyway, it's time to get this wrestling out of the way. It's back to the presidential box. Oh, oh God. Oh, All I've written at this point is uh, popcorn and cleavage. Jay, would you like your popcorn here? Oh, oh, oh. Ah. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, uh, you're pretty good at this. Uh, you think you might be available for a cabinet position? Oh, Mr. President. 
That's what it pretty much should be summed up as. <laughs> well, well, that that there is just, it's just a vision of the frat humor that's to come down the road, isn't it? That's just like that. That's the kind of level we're going to be working on now for the next few years, boys. It, it did involve sunny Andrew Cleavage, so fourteen-year-old me was very happy. <laughs> fourteen-year-old thinking, why can't I be popcorn? Why can't I be the president of America? <laughs> why can't I impersonate the president of America? Yeah. So then we get another Hitman Bret Hart promo, the third one of the night. This contains, I don't know if anyone else has written this down, this contains one of Bret's greatest ever quotations as far as a promo goes. Go for it. Shit, right. Bret Hart, I'm like a Timex watch. I take a licking, but I keep on ticking. Ugh, beautiful. The one thing about the Hitman is that the Hitman, uh, sort of like a Timex watch, and you know, I take a licking, but I keep on ticking. What the hell was he talking about? I'll give the line four out of ten. <laughs> but I mean, like Diesel's not like he—he's—he's he's not the best promo giver in the world, is he? Diesel is. I'm a large man. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. But when he kind of tries to go around that, he—I think he sometimes thinks he's cleverer than he actually is. Really? Yeah, because. <laughs> I was like, um, I was watching, I can't remember, one of the shows on WWE Network, and they kind of showed him when he, came, when he first came into WCW as like himself. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. Why are you referring to adjectives and grammar in a wrestling promo? <laughs> you know, but that, that's the kind of, he, he thinks it's coming across as like a really kind of clever line, but it's just like... You, you're just making it too complicated. Just get, wait, wait, when you stick to stuff like, you know, I don't get paid by the hour, I'm just here to beat people up. That's good. You know, I like that. But when he kind of goes beyond that, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so into the match uh, with Bret Hart, uh, sorry, Bret Hart's terrible music. The worst it, version of his music. Oh, yeah, I never noticed that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's newer music, isn't it? Isn't. I, I cannot stand that music at all. I can't even remember the difference, really. I'm trying to think now. into the match uh diesel's got bad, bad music as well actually that's not very good he gets a lot of fireworks though obviously this and the, and the lundra blaze is where they're spending the firework budget for the night <laughs> yeah i've spent it on the pyro yes yeah, yeah and straight away turnbuckles off yeah not tops off turnbuckles off it's turnbuckles off at least two of the four yes yeah, mm. yeah. 
hardcore. I've written this like hardcore underline full stop. We should probably mention this is a Nord DQ match as well. Yeah, because this is like because they've had what two matches that have gone to like uh, uh, no finishes. Yeah. So this is like there's got to be a winner of this match. That's the whole thing, isn't it? Kind of there's got to be a winner. One of them's got to win. Let's kind of get this feud over and done with. And then we just kind of get basically Diesel beating up Bret Hart for about half an hour or so. Um, pretty much. It's kind of a it, it kind of revolves around the fact that um, you know, it, it as I said before, it, it's kind of like Bret kind of has the advantage if the match goes on long enough. Yeah. And Diesel's just trying to basically batter Brett to death within the first five, ten minutes and then win that way. Um, but I think it kind of turns the table when once um, Brett starts working on the knee. Yeah. Cause the, and the bit with the mic cord. Yeah, because there's like a big spot where Brett Hart ties him to the, to the, uh, the ring post with a microphone cord. So I think yeah. at one point I've got written down... Diesel versus a knot. Who will win? Question mark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I think they're kind of playing over a bit, you know, slightly more sneaky Bret Hart. And, you know, he's got to do that to win the match. They kind of put him over as like, you know, he's he, he will find a way to win, even though he, even though he has to tie somebody to a ring post. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's biting and gouging and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. using like proper heel stuff to actually win a, win the match is properly you know a, a cool setting as far as no DQ goes. Yeah, well, I, I did kind of note that like this match seems to be the kind of prototype for how the Attitude main event matches would go in the future. You know that kind of they because they're, they're throwing out um, this lot of action outside of the ring. There's all kind of spots in the ring with you know um, hard correction and stuff. It kind of feels like. That this is kind of like a, the prototype for how the the WWF matches would go, like further down to the Attitude Era. Well, as in the hardcore stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. I can see what you mean by that. Yeah, definitely. It is like, a like blueprint a and prototype run. of that. Because we also get towards the end of the match the table shot. Yes. Which I remember watching again. You know, watching this live, and I, but I was like, I don't think I've ever been shocked by most things erection in the wrestling like I was when that happened. I was like, that took me completely by surprise. It looks really bad now, though. It doesn't look like a good table shot, does it? No, because you you, look, you notice that the table is just like a standard table. It's yeah, not like it's the one they've got nowadays with like the, 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 the cover on it and the monitors on it and all this kind of stuff. It's just a standard wooden table, which yeah. obviously I'm not saying... I'm not trying to take away from this spot. I mean, obviously, at the time, it was pretty big. Yeah. But it was kind of like, okay, looking back, you know, I, I'd imagined that Brett had been... In my, uh, because I couldn't remember the end of the match, I had it in my head. Oh yeah, I seem to have had this recollection of Diesel actually jackknifing him through this full announce table, <laughs> and it wasn't. He just kind of falls off the turnbuckle and like, knock, knocks him off that, and then he goes what through it this, that way. It's kind of the same spot when we did. Uh, was it King of the Ring where Perfect fires him off into the um, the ringside um, barrier? Yeah, it's essentially, essentially yeah. the same spot. It's like a slingshot, but this time he goes through the middle of the Spanish announcers table, right. which you know, I mean. If you think of like a main event match in WWF from like the late nineties, without someone going through a table, so without someone going through an announcer's table, there's very few matches on there without yeah, somebody going yeah, through exactly. an announcer's well, table. Journey actually, it was very rare for the Spanish announcer's table to make it past halfway. Exactly, yeah, very much, so, very much. I have written down here though: we are less than a year away from 1996 and fully diving full force through it from height. I was about to mention that <laughs> incident. Also, yes. was was it this? Was it this or the year before that he did the infamous spot where he went head first through the table and looks absolutely brutal? 
Um, I can't remember. I think it was a Roy. Just he basically gets knocked off the apron and he goes head first through the table and just everything just collapses onto him. It's like a fantastic visual, but obviously compared to what happened next with the infamous spot, um, it was nothing. But at the time, you're kind of looking at it going, "Holy crap!" Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I think this counts as being the first table shot, doesn't it? This is the first one they did. Mm. I think it is one of them. Yeah, it's the yeah. first kind of watershed moment as far as that's concerned. As far yeah. as like this, this out of the ring brawl goes. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly loads the match up. It's quite a plodding match, quite because I mean, Diesel's not exactly the the no, he's not the lightest guy on his feet. It does tell a good story though. It's sound from a psychological standpoint. Oh yeah, yeah, it kind of goes over quite well. Then we, the ending as well, which is like you know, you've got Diesel over this kind of battered and bruised Bret Hart, who then sneakily pins him with a small package. Have you noticed that whole every single episode we've done when Bret Hart wins, it's usually a counter of someone else's move? <laughs> yes. But I don't think they always like when um, Diesel gets pinned, they don't always sit up and do like a massive swear word right into the camera. <laughs> no. <laughs> Quite the same way that Diesel does. Not really, no. Uh... No, not really. Because he sits um, up and he unleashes some swear words. He does a bit for being a PG thing at the time. Yeah, and the camera's like right uh, out of his face. There's no denying it. There's no denying what he said at that point. Brilliant. <laughs> no, I'm I'm hoping, by the way, that Alan is still on the line here because I heard a pop on his line a little about no, five no, minutes. No, I'm, I'm still here. Don't worry. All right, because okay. I thought you, you you've got Bret Hart's book, Al. Yes, that's that's what. Have you, have you reached the chapter, Al, which tells us that <laughs> um, inevitably that Bret Hart laid all this out when it's all his idea? Well, I'm sitting comfortably to already. We are. <laughs> Go for it. Apparently, um, Bret Hart did indeed lay the ending out. He wanted a match where he would go through the table and, uh, you know, in a heroic comeback and all the rest. And apparently, in the build up Survivor Series, Vince McMahon came up to him, told him he wants to put the belt back on him so he can drop it to Sean at um, WrestleMania. It would look better than Diesel doing it. Yeah. And came up with this fantastic finish of why don't we have you go through the table, Brett, at the end? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and apparently Brett's... Well, I guess he's grateful he, he remembered the idea, but he's not grateful that he took credit for it. But anyway, there was a brutal match, and Brett went through the table and all the rest of it. Anyway, after the match, apparently Diesel delivered two very sloppy and painful jackknife powerbombs. <laughs> that, that knocked all the wind out of me. And then after that, apparently, he threw the belt on Bret Hart and went, don't forget who did you the fucking favour. <laughs> God, bless. God bless Kevin Nash. And apparently, that was the same guy who was sucking up to Bret Hart two years earlier. Oh, Another God. Bret Hart story. Well, the thing oh, is, though, lovely, we, lovely. We're, we're firmly into the clique, aren't we? The clique is firmly established oh, by this the point. Clique is an oh, it, it's, well, it, it, raped, it raped Jean-Pierre. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow and Dean Douglas in the same night pretty much they were were all gone you know such lovely metaphor Al yeah Yeah, yeah, because Diesel does deliver the power bombs and then he looks right at the camera and goes I'm back which I think (laughs) I'm guessing he's referring to heel Diesel I'm assuming that yeah he's back although he's like um, I think he kind of goes into being more of an in-betweener character I think he kind of ranks as being before Stone Cold that kind of Heel, who the fan was, the fans really quite liked as well. That kind of in between a guy. He kind of goes, he kind yeah, of, kind of tweenerish. Effort. I think there's a promo afterwards. He kind of goes like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't care if you like me, don't care if you hate me. I'm just going to do my thing. I hated that then, promo. He went and interrupted a perfectly good Skip versus Savio Vega match on Raw. <laughs> that promo. The words, perf- the words, perfectly usable. I've never been described those two before ever. 
How how dare he? How dare he? I'm sitting down, rooting for that match, you know, and uh, and then he just comes up and rooting yeah, for it to end. There's a difference. <laughs> and then we get a nice kind of promo video, kind of wrapping up the nights. You know, just kind of going back through all the video, a little highlight reel of all the the nights, and the really uncomfortable ending, looking at the commentary team as they look at Bret Hart being carried out the ring by referees. Yeah, it's I think that kind of sums up the pay per view. It's like a real kind of like strange ending that doesn't quite work. No, it, it set a few. I mean, you were trying to sort of set up. Um, I'm trying to think what they would have went on to do after this. You really, I mean, your Survivor Series should always be really the start of your WrestleMania build-up. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you what you would you would have led into the, obviously the Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12 between Sean and Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I just thinking about it there. I just had a mild micro sleep. Um, and um, <laughs> the, the narcolepsy. Oh, jeez. Um, and it's and then you would have had uh, Diesel Taker, wouldn't yeah. you? Um, so suppose you're kind of slowly building towards that. You're making Diesel sort of heal again, yeah. And um, you are building up towards that. So from a point of view of that, it, it set the seeds for a lot of that. Really. Yeah. So it's quite functional from that point of view. Yeah. The main event did tell a good story. It did have a, a, a set structure in that, obviously. You know, Brett wanted to win, was going to win if the match was going to go on for a certain length of time. Diesel wanted yeah. to finish it quickly as the kind of street fighter that he was. And um, Brett worked in the knee, and that meant, you know, you thought he was going to snap on the sharpshooter, but once again, he snaps on the figure four. <laughs> he's a tease, that's what he's, he's a tease. Yeah, which happened, I say, last episode of King of the 93, was it not a similar thing? He's, you know, he thought he was going to go for the sharpshooter. Oh, no, it's a figure four. Yeah, he slapped it on perfect, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it just seems weird from that point of view. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed it as far as the ending went because I'm always a big believer in that there should be something at the end which changes the landscape of what's going to follow. Especially like because Survivor Series is still like one of the big four pay-per-views, isn't it? That's you, you kind of like set the the kind of temples of the year by those pay-per-views, I think. Oh, completely, yeah. So I think this it kind of closes off a few feuds, starts with a few other ones. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just it's just a kind of a, a strange up and down pay-per-view. I think you got some quality on there. And you get like an old an old lady Japanese match out of nowhere for some reason that no one's quite sure about. Um, I thought the opener was fairly decent for being an opener. Yeah. Um, the main event was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it was as good as some of the, like, the Falls County Anywhere brawls that like uh, Michaels and Kevin Nash would have later on. Yeah. Because um, they were brilliant. Um. And I did quite like the wild card match, but I just wasn't quite sure what it was supposed to achieve with the wild card thing. Yeah, the wild card thing—they they never really kind of quite utilised that to its to its potential. I think it just kind Not of ended up really, being really no. There was no kind of major implosion. There was a couple of argument along the way, and yeah. that was about it. Really, you thought it would have been a good time to turn like Razor heel or something by putting them like kind of group yeah. Up. You could kind of understand it also if the wild card match had become a Survivor Series thing. I think yeah, they wanted it to be, but it vanished. Yeah, maybe just one of those aborted ideas. Maybe. Well, wasn't it as like after this, like the, the the traditional Survivor Series match became like lesser and lesser on the card. Uh, I think um, this is the last kind of year. It was like all Survivor Series matches. You'd still have the odd one, but yeah, it was one, just like, another like, show. But it still had the same kind of blow off effect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so our overall positive pay per view. Were you positive about it? Me in the middle. Um. Uh, yeah, thumbs in the middle, kind of pointing up, I'd say. I liked more, it. I thought it was good. More, uh, more importantly, where does it go on our scale? In hmm. the middle. 
Yeah. yeah, I would say better than King of the Ring, but not as good as WrestleMania. Yep, I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's the second best pay-per-view of all time, and as we saw. Yeah, as far as we're concerned, it's the second best pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, like we said earlier in the in the, um, in the podcast, like this was like the end of Diesel's kind of big year as being champion of the WWF. Yes. Do we do do we like Diesel back then? Was he kind of like? Uh, I mean, I remember you know when he came into the bodyguard and kind of started those initial matches with Michaels and stuff in the split. I quite liked him, but he seemed to kind of be quite samey as a wrestler. I was pretty dull, and I think Kevin Nash kind of deserves that reputation he has for being a lazy get. Yeah, well, I think I think Jim Cornette sums it up best. Um, he gave uh, Vince McMahon gave Jim Ross the job of training um, Glenn Jacobs to be Diesel. So he had, oh, yeah. to, he had yeah, to watch yeah. the tapes of Diesel and write down, and apparently Jim Cornette wrote down five moves, and one of them was swishing his hair back. <laughs> yes, I've heard that. Uh, but I suppose at the time they wanted to put a belt on a big man. He was probably the best big man they had, other than the Undertaker. Probably yes, and for some reason, got... obviously. I mean, as they, for some reason, Undertaker didn't really have the title as many times as you think he would have. Yeah, but he in didn't. The US I think he had. by that point, like the Undertaker, never really needed a title to be put to be over, did he? No, he just had to come out. Yeah. I don't think it was so much that The Undertaker didn't really need a title to get over. I think it was more the fact that they were a bit unsure about attaching the world title to all the like, lightning bolts and thunder and yeah. bloody dead men and someone re- the lights going out and someone reappearing and all that kind of schlocky, you know, fun stuff, but yeah. nonsense in the long term. Um, I think people were quite a bit... You don't want to really put your world title on that. Your world title's well, for serious wrestling. Thinking about it, like, he only cut... I only... Was it like when he became the American badass that he got more titles? Yes. Um, he would have got... Well, what, he got the title in Survivor Series 91, oh, did he not? Yes, 91. 91. Won it again at WrestleMania 13. That was title reign number two. Yeah. And I don't think he had it again. So that classic match with Hulk Hogan. We, True. He, he had like the undisputed belt, didn't he? He had the heavyweight belt. And yeah, I, know, and I never know the difference between them, but yeah. So he, did, he he not, kept... did he not have a during the Attitude Era with the Ministry? I don't think so. It was all Stone Cold at that point, wasn't it? Yeah, but was there not a match? Oh, there was a very brief title switch, a very brief one, where he won it off Austin, and uh, he won it the night of Hart's death, sadly. And then um, I think Austin won it back in Ju- July, and then yeah, the, the first blood match. Oh, that's the fully loaded show. Yeah, that was a fully loaded one. Yeah, yeah. Vince had to leave as a result of that, and then came back a month later. But spoilers. But, but, but like we said, the intake was so popular, he never needed that belt to no. be. No, not really. Over, so. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, an interesting pay per view. Not the best, not the worst. No, it was. It was quite good. It was. Yeah, I say enjoyable, enjoyable, but um, not really. Uh, not really a full pay per view, you know. You don't look at that and think yeah. every, you know, every match is m- yeah. amazing or at least good. There's it a couple of got... duffers in there. Gold Dust Bam Bam's a bit of a duffer. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. I still do to this day. I like it. Well, I like Survivor Series just anyway, you know. Yeah, but there's, there's no match on there with the quality of like the Piper Heart match or WrestleMania Eight or you know. No, Flair, there's no Flair, sort of, like, uh, major turnstones. There's no classic. Yeah, but it's still good. Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it's not bad. Mm. Not bad at all. 
Uh, do we know where we're heading next month? Well, I was going to say, <clears throat> we've done three WWF pay-per-views in a row. Mm-hmm. Is it worth us seeing what was going on in WCW at the time? Why not? I'll hang with that. Yes. I'm going to find it incredibly hard to uh, to attain a copy of these, I think. But what, 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 which one are you suggesting? Well, um, I was looking to see what page view happened this very same month in WCW to get, literally see what was happening at the same oh, time. Oh, I like that. A mirror image of what well, was going on. The other it would side. be World War Three, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, God. Exactly, exactly right. World oh. War Three. Oh, no. So I think we should go with that, see what's happening <laughs> with the competition. Oh, guess... That's the Battle Royal, isn't it? It's the yeah. Three Ring Battle Royal. Fucking hell. Because I'm uh, interested. <laughs> We have to do this show now. Because <laughs> I'd be interested to kind of go down this route because it was after this pay-per-view. I think, I think my parents cancelled Sky not long after this pay-per-view. So I didn't get... I sorry, we got straight cancelled Sky Sports. We weren't watching the um, WWE pay-per-view. So I kind of started watching Nitro on... On DSF? Um, uh, Nitro was on TNT on the UK Sky. All oh, right, no, you, you could get Thunder and the pay-per-views on one of the German satellite channels. It was DSF, I think. Uh, I, I, I did not know that. I kept trying to find them, but something else if I kept trying to... Yeah, I bet you did, Al. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> So yeah, there was there was some rather odd adverts um, during those well, shows. No, it was, usually it was WCW Thunder followed by three hours of hardcore pornography. This <laughs> is exactly what you want. So I, I kind of started watching a bit of WCW. So I think it might be a good time just to kind of look, go have a look at a few of their kind of pay per views because yeah. it was always hard for us to watch. I don't know about you guys, but it's always hard to watch those those shows because they were never really broadcast. We, we had the no. Saturday morning. WCW show that was on ITV. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, WCW Worldwide was on ITV oh, right. on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, you, but we never really, you never really got the pay per views because they were. No. I don't know who. I don't think anybody carried them over here. To uh, be honest, uh, no. You would maybe get the odd tape come across, but you wouldn't get like the um, the level of the pay per views like with WWF. So I think it might be good just to kind of do a few WCW pay per views to this era, just to kind of mm. see where the land lies. Are we doing World War Three ninety five then? Yes. Yes, we are. Oh, holy man! Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's go for that. I am reading the card as we speak. I I won't give any spoilers away. Oh, we already gave a spoiler Uh, initial reaction. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I can't wait to the big boss man versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh man, this I got to see. There are some crap in WCW we need to cover. Yeah, this is gonna be. This is gonna be. I, I, I can't. I can't lie. It's gonna be rubbish, but it'll be enjoyable rubbish. It'll be, it'll be funny. Rubbish. Oh, if we did Chamber of Horrors, I've got that one. <laughs> oh, be, you we'll have, do that yes. the show after. We'll do that, and then Chamber of Horrors, and we'll do. We'll get proper. We have to do the in. triple cage match one, though. It's like a cage on top of a cage on top of a cage. No, no, we're not doing anything involving David Arquette. <laughs> oh, come on. That was in my contract when I signed on to do this show. No oh, WrestleMania come... 9 and no David Arquette. Oh, I'm not going to do oh, WrestleMania man. 9 after it. No. <laughs> I'm, only do- I'm only doing WrestleMania 9, right? If Listen. it's a really good pay-per-view or before it and a really good pay-per-view after it. <laughs> Is that it? Listen. We'll, um, when we start going through the matches of El Gigante, can we? we've got to do WrestleMania uh, 9. Yeah? When we do, when we do, when we do Conquistadors, the El Gigante special. I yes. think we should uh, kind of look back. <laughs> through the career of El Gigante uh, slash whatever his uh, name, Giant no. Gonzalez. I'm just looking for the entry list for World War Three, and there's some amazing people we've got to look forward to. Oh, the big trade bath. That's who I'm looking for. <laughs> He's my pick to win it. You've got everyone's favourite German dancing superstar, Alex Wright. Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. <laughs> there you go. You've also got... Um, Anyways. The Yeti. 
That's next time. Spoilers. That's for next time. Yeah, calm down. Cool the jets, boys. <laughs> oh, podcast gold. See you next time. Well, that was a good podcast, fellas. It was. Yeah. If you want to uh, discuss our thoughts on this, to hit us up on Twitter at um, Evil Ninja Phil for me, at Cripple H for Cameron, at Wandering Ewan for Ewan, Yay. and at Geordie Allen. Yeah. Yes, for Geordie Al. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about wrestling on the Twitter. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Conquistables. Yep. Or the Conquistables.tumblr.com. Indeed. Lovely. I don't know if you've been, been checking out the Tumblr because I've been going through searching Japanese wrestling pictures and just reblogging them on there. I have noticed that and I approve. Thank you. There's lots of wrestling gifts on there. It's amazing. Yep. So, yeah. Do it, and then um, maybe drop us some feedback on the next pay per view, World War Three, nineteen ninety five. If yeah. you fancy it. Oh man! How many times is the phrase that this is fucking bullshit will be spouted? Place your bets now. <laughs> I'm gonna say lots. <laughs> lots. Good number. And lots. A, a metric ton. <laughs> a metric fuck ton. See <laughs> <laughs> so oh, if we I'm, got that to look forward to. I, I may regret saying this, but. Do you, do, you, do you think there's enough material there from a WCW pay per view to get the full po- podcast out? Oh, I think there's plenty, Al. I think there's plenty. I don't know. I, think... I don't think there is. I don't, I don't think there is. Al, there's three well, rings worth of it. But it, it all <laughs> happened so quickly. It'll, just like my love life. I mean, it's just. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. There's, there's a great preview for next week, folks. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you next week with World War Three WCW style. For uh, oh, the yes. shortest podcast we'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Adios. The Conquistadors have left the building. (laughs) I don't think so.